This is Bethel Temple Church's podcast. Here at Bethel Temple, our desire is to see people changed, delivered, and set free as they experience the light of Jesus. From wherever you are listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Amen. Amen. I echo my wife in saying thank you to all those who <clears throat> have been encouraging us along the way. And def- definitely those of you who have been praying. We definitely feel the prayers. We, we know that you have been interceding on our behalf. And so we want to say thank you for that. But listen, we're full steam ahead in our Ready, Set, Go series. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting good now. We, 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 we've, uh, we've got our blocks all secured and you know, we've been focused and we've been waiting on the start. The gun has sounded and, and, and now it's time to go. You know, we're out and we're running. And today we're going to continue our focus on what it means to go. Look, as a matter of fact, let me, let me share Webster's Dictionary uh, uh, for the word go. It says to move on a course, to proceed. You know, in other words, what is that saying? It's saying go is an action. You know, it means that it requires action. You can't say go and stay still. When you, when you say go, that means that you need to be doing something. <clears throat> and so we're just excited about that, that, you know, Jesus has called us and commissioned us to go. He told us, look, I, I'm calling you and I'm commissioning you to an action. and You've been called to it. And so what is it that you've been called to? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you asked me, Pastor Charles, what is, what is it that God has called us to? And what he has called us to and the action that we are supposed to be uh, uh, involving ourselves in can be found in our text today. Uh, we've been using this. This has been our, our foundational text for this series, and it's coming from Mark, the 16th chapter. So if you would turn there real quick, <clears throat> excuse me, Mark 16. And verses 15 and 16 are our foundational scriptures. And in these passages of scripture, you will find the action that God has called us to. And it says this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who, who does not believe will be condemned. You know, as believers, we've been commissioned by Jesus to go. To go and do what? To go and win souls. See, we're not running a race so we can get a trophy or to get some type of medallion around our neck. See, we're not running for that purpose. We're not running to get recognition of man, but we're running to win souls to the kingdom of God. I don't think it's any better race that you want to be involved in. I don't think it's any other action that you want to be uh, put your hands to than winning souls for Christ. You know, as you know, we've been paralleling this, this, this series, um, this call to action to a runner running a race. And, and last week I told you about three distinct phases that a runner goes through when they begin to get into a race. And last week I talked about the first one, which is the drive phase. Now, as a refresher, the drive phase is the initial powering out of the block. That's when the runner, uh, the gun sounds and, and the runner begins to, to leave the blocks. He powers out of the blocks. See, when runners come out of the block, they don't come out of the block slow. Because, see, you, you, when you're getting into your race, you're powering out of the blocks. That's why all of your body weight is pushed on those blocks. The only thing that's touching the ground are your fingers. And so when they power out, they're powering out with their legs, everything. They, they, they all, all that they have within their body, they, they propel themselves 
out of there. And so they began to run. But you notice something. Remember I told you that when they power out in the drive phase, the runner remains in this leaning position for a period of time. Why is that? Because he's, while he's in that leaning position, he's still depending on all the power that he's just finish grabbing hold to and calling forth as he powers out. But see, the thing about it, you have to also understand that he's establishing his pace. He, he, he is getting himself ready for the race that he is about to run. He is beginning now to pace himself to get ready to get into the next phases so that he can complete the race. And for us as believers, we have the same thing. See, we have this gradual uh, uh, momentum that we have to build as we go out to preach the gospel. I mentioned to you last week, see, we no longer go out and take a bullhorn and go on the corner and start hollering at people, telling people, if you don't get saved, you're going to hell. No. See, we got something now that we have to do. We have to learn how to, to, to use the gospel. We have to have some training. We have to come into an understanding. The Bible tells us to make sure that we, 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 we grow in our knowledge and our grace in Jesus Christ, growing the grace and the knowledge of Christ. What does that mean? You're learning about Jesus so that you can go out and you can be more effective in winning the loss. Because your ultimate goal is that you want to get a confession with the mouth that makes a transformation in the heart of the sinner. See, you don't want to just get them, you know, all riled up. You don't want to go out there and make them get mad at you. You don't want to go out there and try to say something to them and you don't even know what you're talking about. So we have to gradually prepare ourselves to be ready to go and win the loss. So we have to go through some training, just like a runner has to go through training. So you don't just jump out and run these races. See, there's a time of training, preparing yourself so that you can go out and be the best runner you can be. And if runners have to do that, we definitely should do that as the body of Christ. We should get ourselves prepared, get ourselves all trained up so that when we go, we are ready to go. And so today I want to bring your attention to the second phase uh, of that runner goes through. And this is a really important phase. It's called the maximum velocity phase, or, or, or some call it just the acceleration phase. See, in this phase, uh, uh, the runner uh, has to, ha, basically what the runner is doing, once the runner now is coming up, he's coming, he's running in, uh, coming out of the drive phase, and now he's beginning to put his feet to the ground very hardly, very hard, and very quickly, because what is he trying to do? He's trying to build up his momentum even more. He's trying to accelerate to the point where he can get to his top end speed. Because now he's about to, he's getting to the midway point of this race now, and he needs to be building himself up so he can continue on to the finish line. So basically what's happening is the runner's steps become shorter because they don't take real long steps. They're taking short, hard steps, short, quick steps because they're really trying to build their momentum. But there's something else you need to realize and recognize about the runner now when they enter into this maximum velocity phase. See, if you notice uh, that the runner gets into that phase, he no longer is leaning. See, the runner begins to come up into an upper posture. See, he's standing now, he comes erect. Why? Because now he needs his whole body to be in motion. See, that before it was just powering with his legs. See, you can't run a whole race bent over because you're going to fall down. And see, that's what we got to understand as believers. See, we can't run out here with our heads down all the time. We can't run out here defeated and think that we're going to be able to do the things that God has called us to be, to do. We have to be able to rise up. We have to be able to stand boldly as we go forth and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we go, we experience 
you know, a, a, a maximum velocity as well, just like the runner does. But see, last week we talked about the dry phase. Now, in the dry phase, remember, we, we talked about preaching the gospel. And now this week, we're, we're going to find out a little more what that all entails. What exactly is the mission? Because we don't just preach the gospel. We have to have some more direction. What else are we going to do with it? Well, the mission goes on to say, go preach the gospel. You ready? Not just to, to anyone, but it says to every creature. See, you're supposed to go and preach the gospel to everybody. And so now we're in our maximum velocity phase, and we're understanding that now our goal is to go and preach the gospel. We're not just running aimlessly out here. We're not just out here running around the park. But no, we're on a mission, and our mission is to go and preach the gospel to everybody that we encounter. See, sometimes people in this life, you know, they feel like, oh, I don't need the gospel. I don't need to, to hear about Jesus because I'm a good person. But see, I got a secret for you. See, Jesus didn't come and he didn't go and, 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 go, and, and, and go to Calvary and, and be nailed to the cross uh, so that you can be good. See, what he went to the cross for, he went to the cross so that he can repair a breach that sin caused. See, he went to the cross so that you can be forgiven for your sins. See, he went to the cross so, so that you can become righteous and so that your relationship can be restored with the Father. That's why he did that. So he didn't come for that reason. And, as, and because of that, we have to go out and tell other people about the good news of Jesus. Listen, when Adam and Eve, you know, when, when they first disobeyed God, uh, 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 sin became a part of, of the nature of mankind. And after that time, everybody born, I don't care who you are, what your name is, where you live, who your parents are, you were born into sin. Pastor Charles, how are you, you going to say I'm a, I was born a sinner? Oh, yeah, everybody was born a sinner. But see, we know <clears throat> you don't have to stay a sinner. Look at Romans, um, the fifth chapter, uh, verses 18 through 19. I'm going to give you some proof of it. I'm going to tell you exactly what it says. It says this. It says, therefore, as through one man's offense, talking about Adam. See, Adam got out there and he messed up. Judgment came to all men. That means that because of Adam's sin, all men are born into sin, resulting in condemnation. But even so, through one man's righteous acts of the free gift came to all men. Guess what? It don't have to stay like that. See, God had a plan already. He, he he'd already made, set this course for us to be restored back to him. See, one man sinned, but it was another righteous man that was going to repair the breach. And it goes on to say that, that, that one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Just like sin came to all men because of the one bad uh, decision that the man made, that Adam made, you know, the same thing is reversed on the other side. Because of what Christ did, the righteous man, then all men have the opportunity to now come into a new life. It, it talks about righteousness. It's an act. It's a free gift. You don't have to pay for it. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. God had already paid for it. He paid for it in full. Listen to what it goes on to say. 
Free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. What are you saying? Oh, but when you're in sin, oh, you're dead. See, that's why it says you're dead in your sins. See, your life is not alive, but you don't come alive till you get your rebirth, until you're born again into the new life. Oh, now you're living. Now you got some life. Now, now you know every day is going to be a beautiful day. Every day the sun is shining. I don't care if it's cloudy and pouring down rain. The sun is still shining. Why? Because you're living in a new life. And it goes on to say this, for as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Adam made a choice that caused all men to be born into sin. So also by one man's obedience, talking about Jesus, many will be made righteous. See, we got this holy and loving God. See, God could have left us in that place of sin. He could have left us, you know, in dead in our sins. But because he loved us, he decided, no, I'm going to restore. I want to restore them. I want to give them the opportunity to have the life that I had already predestined for them to live before sin came into this world. And so he did. He sent him. He sent his son, and his son is the good news. And so therefore, preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ is a necessity without exception. What are you talking about, Pastor Charles? That means it's necessary to preach the gospel regardless of anything and anybody. Everybody needs to hear the good news that Jesus saves, regardless of who you are. Look, the Apostle Paul, he truly understood that because listen to what he said. In, in Romans uh, 1, 14 through 16. He, he said this. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Then verse 16 goes on to say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Check that. Everyone. Not some people. Not because of where you live or how you grew up or how you came up. It says to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Aren't you glad God loves us that much? That he didn't leave us in our deadness. That he made a way for us to be restored. And not just restored, but fully restored. Because I declare the word of God lets us know that we become heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So God didn't bring us back in and say, I'm going to make you, I'm going to put you down lower now because you messed up. No, he said, no, I'm going to continue to love you because you are still my prized possession. You are my prized creation. You're the only one I made in my image and I love you and I want you to have the fullness of the joy that comes through me. And in this text, Paul shares three I am's that compelled him to preach the gospel to everyone. And I think that's a great model for us today. See, the believers of today, you know, we need to follow this model that Paul laid out before us. And I think if we do that, we'll be so much more effective in winning the loss. We'll be so much more effective in accomplishing the goals and accomplishing the action that God has called us to. So what did Paul say? It's a three. He said, I am obligated. Then he wanted to say, I am eager. And the third one is, I am not ashamed. And we're going to briefly look at each one of these because I think they're important. These I ams, we need to apply them to our lives. 
Listen, in Romans 1.14, uh, uh, when Paul said that he was a debtor, uh, he's he saying, in other words, that he, he is under obligation. He, he was saying, basically, I owe a debt. Now, how you say he owe a debt? Jesus paid it all, right? Yeah, Jesus did pay it all. But Jesus didn't just save us to go sit down and enjoy life. He saved us so we can go out and save somebody else. He saved us so we can go out and be the mouthpiece that let somebody else know that there's hope for them. He saved us so that we can go out and preach the gospel message to everybody. He saved us so that we can go out and make disciples. What are we doing? We're recreating who we are. We're recreating who we become. We're recreating what God did in our life so that we can now do the same for someone else. See, see, Paul, he felt like this. Listen, I got saved, and so I'm reaching back now. I'm going to get somebody else who's out there lost, and I'm going to bring them along with me. He, he considered that to be his responsibility, and he took it very seriously. See, Paul was a bad man. He was a bad man before he met Jesus, and he, and he, was, and he did his job uh, with excellence. But you know what? When his life got transformed, he did his life with even more excellence. See, because he went all about. He, he made sure that he was going to be the best disciple of Christ that he could be and that he was going to preach the gospel everywhere he went. He was going to encourage men and women no matter what was going on in his life, whether he was in jail, whether he was being persecuted, whether he was being chased out of town. It didn't matter what his life was going through. He felt obligated to preach the gospel of Jesus. Think of it like this. What if you're walking down the street or, you, or you're on a beach and, 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 and you're safe on the beach and you're just chilling out, you're having a good time and you look out there in the water and you see somebody out there drowning. What are you going to do? Are you going to say to yourself, oh, somebody else is going to come along and get them. They're going to, somebody else is going to save them. But you're sitting right there watching them. They're going up and down. You see their hand going down. They're, they're fighting the water. You know that they're in trouble. But you, you're not going to just sit there and watch them. Or you're not going to have this mindset. You're not going to say, oh, man, that person looks like they're drowning. But I'm glad that I'm safe. No, no, see, see, that's not what you do. See, if you, 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 you're safe on the shore, but because you're safe on the shore and because you've gone through some training and you can swim a little bit, you know how to get into the water, what you gonna do? You're gonna feel obligated to go run, dive in that water and save that person that's drowning. Why? Because you're safe and, and because you care and because you don't want to see somebody else being lost when you can come out and give them a hand, when you can throw a life raft out to them and pull them back in because you have the power to do so because you are safe and secure. See, that's who Paul was. See, Paul was the latter. See, Paul understood the value of souls. See, he understood that, just like I said before, because he was the persecutor of souls on one hand, but then he turned around and became one of the greatest people who went out to preach the gospel in the Bible. He, 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 everywhere he went, it didn't matter who he had an opportunity to preach the gospel to, he was going to open up his mouth and he was going to preach the gospel because he felt obligated to preach to everyone. And that's what God requires of us. That was, he wants us to do the same. He wants us to have that same mindset that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is, who no matter where they are, I'm going to preach the gospel. Who did Paul preach to? He preached to the elite. 
He preached to the outcasts. He preached to those that were wise. He preached to those that were uneducated. Look, he even preached to the foolish and the unlearned. It didn't matter who they were. He didn't say, oh, no, they don't, they don't have enough common sense to understand. Oh, no, they're too high and mighty for me to go and talk to them. No, it didn't matter who they were because he understood something, and it's this. He understood that everybody needed the Savior. Everybody needed to hear the story of Jesus. Everybody needed to hear the message that Jesus saves. Man, listen to what he said. Uh, Paul, Paul, Paul was a bad man. Paul, Paul even confirmed that in 1 Corinthians uh, 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 chapter 9, verse 16. Listen to what he said. He said, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. See, he, you know, he didn't have nothing. See, he was nobody. You know, yeah, oh yeah, he was a learned man. He was very well respected. But Paul realized that once he met Christ, he became nothing in the sight of God other than a disciple of his. See, he wasn't walking around high and mighty. But he said, I got nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. What necessity? The necessity to go out and preach the gospel. This is my responsibility now to go and do this. He said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Well, how many of us walk around each day and say, oh my God, I haven't preached the gospel this week. I haven't won anybody to Christ in a year. I haven't told anybody that Jesus saves. Boy, if we all had the same mindset of Paul, oh my gosh, people would be saved through the raptures. Churches wouldn't have enough room for people to come into them if the body of Christ had that mindset where every opportunity I get, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus and that he Saves. See, what Paul is doing here, he, he, his, he is talking about the, the necessity without exception. See, it didn't matter who it was. See, he understood that he was obligated to go and preach the gospel to everyone. And we are too. See, we are obligated to go out. Whether you realize it or not, you are obligated, just like I'm obligated, to go out and preach to your loved ones, to preach to your co-workers, to preach to your neighbors, to preach to, to everybody you come in contact with, whether it's a stranger or whether it's your enemy. You're still supposed to go and preach the good news that Jesus saves. It's your responsibility. If you were here right now, I'll tell you to look at somebody and say, it's your responsibility. So if you're at home, you still can do it. Look at somebody and just tell them, oh, it's your responsibility to go out and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Obligated. You should be obligated. You should feel like you're in debt to do it. I got to go, and I got to tell somebody about Jesus that leads me to the second I am that compelled Paul to preach the gospel to everyone, which is I am eager. See, he was eager. Paul was eager to go out and preach the gospel. Why do you say that, Pastor Charles? Because in verse 15, he says this, so as much as is it as is me. Basically, he's saying everything about me, everything that I am and everything that I'm not, I'm ready to go and preach. But that word ready, that's the important word right there. That word comes from a root word, thomos. That means eager. It means passion, fierceness. That means he didn't just go out there halfway. No, he went out there eagerly. He went out there with a passion to make sure everybody knew about Jesus. See, Paul not only felt obligated, but he was eager to share the gospel to all types of people. He wanted everybody to know. He wanted everybody to come into the same light that he had come in 
to, because Paul understood something. He understood that the message that he was preaching was a universal message. See, he didn't have to go and fit the message to meet the people. See, it was only one message, and that message was Jesus Christ. And it didn't matter who he preached it to, he was going to preach the same message, that Jesus died, that Jesus went to the grave, that Jesus got up, and because he got up, you can get up. And so it doesn't change no matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your status is in this life. The same message that Paul preached back then to the Romans and to the Corinthians and to the Ephesians, it's the same message that we're going to preach today, that Jesus died, Jesus got up, and because he got up, you can be saved. Universal message. That's the beauty of the gospel. See, it's an all for one, and it's a one for all. It doesn't have to change. It doesn't have to, we don't have to figure out how we going to preach this gospel uh, uh, because somebody is this or that. See, listen, it doesn't matter what your race is, your creed, your color, your level of education, uh, your economic status. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're rich. It doesn't matter whether you're poor. It doesn't matter whether you're black. It doesn't matter whether you're white. It doesn't matter whether you're Democrat. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican. It doesn't matter at all. Period. The only thing that matters is that we have an eagerness to go out and preach the gospel to everybody. See, how many of you today who name Jesus as Lord will stand boldly like Paul said and said, for my part, See, we all got a part to play. See, we all been called to this, to this, this race that we're running. We all been called to action. And see, how many of you going to stand boldly and say, for my part, I'm eager. That means I'm excited. Man, I can't wait to get out there to share the gospel. I'm not running and hiding. I want to tell somebody about my Jesus because I know that's what he saved me for. He saved me to go out here and be a witness for somebody else who's lost. He saved me to be a light that's going to shine in the darkness. Paul, see, he, 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 Paul was eager and Paul was excited about preaching the gospel. That brings me to my third and my final, my final uh, uh, I am that Paul, uh, that compelled Paul to preach the gospel. And, and it's this, that I am not ashamed. See, you can't be ashamed and preach the gospel. See, because if you're ashamed to preach the gospel, you're not going to say anything. See, you're going to be just like the disciples when the, when, 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 when the crowd came. You know, they're like, that's one of them. Oh, I don't know him. I don't know Jesus. Oh, no. We got to stand boldly and say, oh, yeah, I'm one of his, and I'm going to let you know all about him. See, in Romans 6, 1 and 16, Paul said this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. There is for everyone, not just some people, but for everyone. See, Paul was saying that, he, he said that I'm not ashamed. He wasn't saying, I, I hope I won't be ashamed. Uh, uh, he, he, he wasn't saying, well, uh, um, maybe I won't be. No, he was talking in the present tense when he said, I am not. That's emphatic. He's letting you know it doesn't matter. That's my lifestyle. My lifestyle is that I'm not ashamed of my Jesus. I'm not ashamed of him because I know what he did for me. Paul was basically saying, and I know this is bad English, he was saying, ain't no shame in my game. You see, I'm going to let you know all about Jesus, no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Look, this is what it says. Look how he says it in the Passion Translation. He said, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. Don't get no plainer than that. 
It doesn't get him. He was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. See, 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 for, for, listen to what he said, though. When he states in this passage, he says, well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation. He said that it in there, that it, what is the it? That it is the gospel. See, he said it's, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. See, Paul, uh, that's why he was so eager because he understood the power of the message. That's why he wasn't ashamed of it, because he knew he didn't have to do anything but speak the word. See, he didn't have to save anybody because we can't save nobody. All we have to do is speak the word that God gives us and let his word penetrate the hearts of people. But Paul understood that there was supernatural power uh, uh, to set people free in the words that he was speaking. See, there was supernatural power to set people free from the bondage of sin. It don't matter how sinful a person is. It don't matter who you are, where you are, or what you are. The gospel is more powerful than your sin. We know about that word power. It's translated dunamis, and it equates to the English word dynamite. But I began thinking about this last night as I was just looking over this message that, that the gospel is uh, the explosive dynamite of God <laughs> that brings people into relationship with Christ and it brings them back into relationship with the Father that destroys think about it you throw some dynamite it's going to blow something up so you think about the gospel message when you give that gospel message guess what it's doing blowing up sin it's blowing sin up it's blowing it into oblivion and the person comes out brand new see because that blows up you don't blow up only your sin blows up you come back a new creation ain't that what boy I tell you God will, who would serve a God like this. See, there's no better message that will change your life. Ain't no other message that'll change your life like the gospel. There's no other message that will give, that, that's more eternity altering than the good news of Jesus. There's no more message that has the divine power to change your life than the gospel message of Christ. And that's exactly why in 2 Corinthians, it goes on to say that if anybody is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is come and the new has come. Look, it's nothing else that can do that. Everything else is nothing more than behavior modification. And behavior modification is not going to last. But Jesus Christ and what he will do in your life will last for eternity. Whew, all you got to do is just let the gospel explode in your life. And you ain't going to be the same no more. There's no way you can get hit by that stick of dynamite called the gospel and be the same. See, the questions that we got to answer here as the believers is that if we truly believe the message that we preach and we know that it leads to salvation for everybody, uh, what's keeping us from sharing it? So we should be just throwing that dynamite everywhere we go. We should be throwing the gospel message that somebody's life is going to, their sin is going to get blown up in their life and they're going to be transformed and renewed. Are you obligated? Are you eager to preach the gospel? It's your confession like Paul. Paul's like, ain't no shame in my game. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. See, I learned something when I was growing up. Actions speak louder than words. See, we can, we can, we can, we hear action. See, we call to an action. We won't just call to the words. So you got to go tell somebody about Jesus. See, it's not just about what you do. You can, it's not about just what you, how you act, but it's what you say. You got to go and speak the gospel message, tell somebody about Jesus, and let him do the rest. That's what my maximum velocity phase is. It's about us not just preaching the gospel, but it's preaching it to everybody, making sure that there's nobody left. 
Paul understood something. See, Paul had an experience. See, when Paul was traveling down that Damascus road, matter of fact, he was on his way to go persecute some Christians. He was ready to go and cause them some problems, some pain. But you know what? He met Jesus. And when he met Jesus on that road, his life was changed forever. And, and that's why he was such the way that he was, because he understood who he was when he was in his sin. And now he understands who he is now that God has come in. And so now he's no longer the same. And he wants to let people know that he did it for me and he'll do it for you. Ooh, Lord, I thank you today. I thank you today. I encourage you today. Those of you that have named Jesus as Lord and Savior, that that's who you want to be. You want to be that stick of dynamite. You want to be that dynamite thrower. You want to be the one who goes out and stands boldly. You want to be the one that's obligated you, you, you want to be the one that, 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 that is not ashamed. See, that's who you want to be. You want to be that one when you go out and preach the good news of Jesus. Let me pray for you today, and I want to pray for those of you who may not know him today. And I hope that today uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity because I'm going I'm to I'm throw a couple of sticks of dynamite out there and hope that it will blow up the sin in your life and that your life will be transformed and renewed. So, Father, we thank you today for this time. We, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us all that we need, Lord, to be, oh God, the disciples that you called us to be. You've given us example after example. God, you've given us all the training that we need, God. Now you told us to go into the world and preach the gospel. And I pray for God, those that name your name today, that they will rise up in this boldness that they will rise up, God, and be the voice that goes forth in a mighty way, letting people know that Jesus saves, that we no longer be silent, that we will no longer be hidden, that we'll no longer be the quiet ones, but we will be the ones that turn the world upside down with the gospel message of Jesus. If that's your testimony today, let us know. We want to come alongside of you and pray that God would increase your strength, increase your faith, that you can be more bold and you can go out and, and win some souls to the kingdom. Everybody should, should challenge themselves, you know, especially during this time. How many people, look, we, we, we're right here in this month of April. Why don't you challenge yourself for the rest of the month, for the rest of this year? How many people can you lead to Christ? How many people can you preach the gospel to? How many people can you share it with? You should set some goals, write it down to make sure that you can follow back, go back and follow up and say, oh, I accomplished that. I, pre I, 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 I told somebody about Jesus this month. I told somebody about Jesus on my job. I told somebody about Jesus walking down the street. I told somebody about Jesus in my neighborhood. And watch God do the rest. That's all he called us to do, was to go and preach the gospel. There may be someone out there today who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I want to give you the opportunity, just the same, to come out of your place of darkness into the marvelous light that he provides. And if that's you today, I want you to join with me in this prayer. And afterwards, I want you to just go to, the, to our webpage and I want you to go in there and let us know that you made that decision for Christ today so we can come alongside of you. And if you will pray this prayer after me, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe that you died on the cross, you were buried in the tomb, and on the third day, you got up just like you said. And because you got up, I can get up out of my place of sin. 
I can get up out of my place of transgression and iniquity, and I can become the new creation that you spoke of in your word, where the old is gone and the new has come. Thank you today for saving me. Lord, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior from this point forward in my life. It's just that simple today. And if you made that decision today, write in and let us know so we can come alongside of you. We want to, to, to pray with you and to encourage you. You don't have to walk by yourself. And listen, if you're joining with us today for the first time, second time, third time again, I encourage you to, to go to that web, go to our webpage and, and write on that, you know, fill out that connect card. Let us know so we can come alongside of you. You know, we can, God is doing something brand new in this day and time where they're, they're not only, uh, we're not meeting in a physical church, but we're meeting in a virtual church. And so we want to come alongside of you. Maybe you want to join with us to be a virtual member. Maybe you want to come alongside of us to begin doing some virtual work for the gospel kingdom from wherever you are. And if that's you, write in and let us know. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for all that's been done today. And we just continue to pray, God, for everyone, God, under the sound of my voice today. Meet every need. Encourage when there's encouragement needed. God, bless where there's blessings needed. Make ways out of no ways. Bless each service, God, that takes place, Lord, wherever they are today, that you would anoint men and women to come forth in a mighty way to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We see you on Wednesday night. Thank you for listening. To connect with us, Visit us at Bethelhampton.com and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and be the light.